Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa Host. Today I'm chatting with Cliesfer. She is a young lady who was actually diagnosed at the age of 15 or 16 years old in her teenage years with bipolar disorder. And we chat about how she turned that into something positive by becoming a life coach to help the others who have bipolar disorder navigate their life. Um, this particular podcast episode is very up close and personal for me. It's also it was a way for me to learn as well because recently my middle daughter was recently diagnosed with having bipolar disorder. If you go back and look at ep- listen to episode 58, you'll hear how she talks about how it was kind of a struggle, but then again it was a relief because she knew she then knew there was nothing wrong with her. And now that she can find help and be able to navigate this. And that was my panel on mental health. So I hope you learn a lot and you learn that you can be a functioning person in society, even if you do have a mental illness or a, a mental disorder. It doesn't mean a death sentence like most people think. It doesn't mean that your life as you know it ends because actually in some cases it the life gets better because then you learn to shift what you're supposed to be doing and learn to take care of yourself more. So you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Hi guys, welcome to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today is uh, kind of hits home a little bit for me. I don't know if you remember in our mental health panel that we did a couple weeks ago, my middle daughter Michaela actually told everybody that she had just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I thought as a mom that it was my duty to learn more about it and also to educate the community about it. And so I found this amazing expert. She's a lifestyle, a life set, a mindset and lifestyle coach. Um, Cliesfer, did I say it right or no? I probably- It's, it's okay. Cliesfer, <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, and she's gonna talk to us a little bit about how she dealt with being um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a mom as well, so I understand where you're coming from totally. I have two kids, um, and I was diagnosed at the age of 16. So I've been dealing with bipolar disorder for about 11 years now. Oh, wow. Um, so age of 16, teenager. How mm-hmm. is that? I Sorry? Know at 22. At I'm, I'm having a little bit of connection issues. Okay, sorry. Um, at 22, my daughter was really like, she was like heartbroken. She didn't know how to deal with it. But at 16, I can't even imagine. Tell us how you felt when you were first diagnosed. Um, I felt like, honestly, I did not want it accepted at all. I felt like the like a rug was pulled off like under my feet, from under my feet. Um, I, I went and my mom decided to give me medication right away because she just, she was, I mean, she was in, in desperation. And I mean, the medication did did well for me, but as soon as I saw that I was okay, I stopped taking the medication. So, you know, as a kid, you know, I was not responsible. I was not responsible with the medication. So I would take it when I felt uh, better, I would stop and I would relapse. And I think that this was not the best, obviously the best for me. And uh, eventually when I had my son, uh, it hit home for me also because when I had him, I had to choose between actually being there for him and 
being a responsible parent or uh, actually because I wanted to breastfeed and I had a thing where uh, for me it was actually uh, either not taking medication so that I can breastfeed or actually going off medication I mean sorry uh, sorry going on and continuing on my medication and actually being a parent and there's a lot of you know back and forth on you know if you breastfeed or not and and there, there was that whole ordeal there but it was hard at first I, you know I was 16 in high school uh, I gained a lot of weight with medication I was bullied um, it was a lot so for those that don't know what exactly is bipolar disorder uh, bipolar disorder is a chemical imbalance in your in the brain and it causes uh, basically periods of uh, mood uh, changes, pretty much. So depression, mania, and the mania basically is uh, periods where you feel elated, where you feel like euphoric, mm-hmm. uh, periods where you can you know, feel like you're on top of the world. Um, and this can cause a lot of, it can be dangerous because it can be uh, reckless to your, destructive to you and other people. Um, and also, the depression can be dangerous as well because it can be go it can go to the point of su- uh, suicidal ideations and and yeah. Wow, yeah, it ha- having to deal with that at sixteen. I mean, she's twenty two now, and she just thought her life was over. So, how do you manage it? How do you go through it? Obviously, medication, but other things that you do. Well, I have a whole team of people on my side, you know, and I think that having support there is very important. So, you know, I, I commend you for being there for her. Uh, and at the same time, I feel like not only that, uh, I have, I've been through a lot of different therapists and I feel like uh, one tip that I have for people with bipolar disorder is that not every therapist is going to be the right therapist. So, you know what? visiting different therapists and, and, and making sure you, you have a good uh, connection. Um, also, I feel like uh, uh, advocating for yourself with your psychiatrist, making sure that they're listening to you and listening to what it is that you actually need and, and that your needs are being met as a, as a patient. I, I believe in that also. Um, and another thing too is, you know, being uh, in control, I feel like of your, of your Symptom. Do you know? I feel like anything. If you feel anything at all is not right, it, uh, be in uh, control of your intuition. You know, if you feel that at all anything is not okay, you know, tell someone to go and and, and ask someone for help. I think that that's major. That's the strongest thing that a person with any type of illness or anything can do is to ask for help. A lot of people think it's weak, but it's actually the strongest thing you can do. Yes, and I think embracing this illness as well, you know, accepting it. Because a lot of people aren't scared of judgment. And I think that, um, you know, at first I was scared because a lot of people judged. And um, there's a lot of stigma surrounding this. And a lot of people that didn't even know me judged who I was. You know, strangers. I mean, I, I was in class one day and I had to give a doctor's note in front of the class. And someone actually called me. Uh, for lack of terms, crazy, you know, and that was very hurtful to me because I didn't even know this person. And I think that, you know, if you don't know someone, if you don't, or not, not even if you know the person, I don't think that it's nice to call people names and, and especially because this illness is just like any other illness out there. 
you know, it's just because it's not, there's no, uh, it's not, you can't see this illness, you know, any other mental health illness, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not like any other illness out there. And I think that people with the illness need to embrace it, you know, and accept it for what it is and get help if they, if they need it. I know we were talking right before we came on because I told you that my, my girls were Mexican-Americans. They're from Mexico. And you said your husband's from Mexico and you're from what, the Dominican? Yeah, Republic, uh, Dominican Republic. And we were talking about the, his, the Hispanic culture really doesn't embrace this type of thing. They kind of like don't talk about it. So let's yeah. talk about some of the cultural biases around it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of taboo around it. And I think a lot of that is because of the stigma surrounding it, you know? And I think that it's not it's not something to hide. It's not something, you know, and I think a lot of that with the culture biases is because a lot of people fear about what other people are gonna say about their family or, or how people are gonna judge the other person. And I think that, you know what, who cares what people think at this point? You know what, the most important thing is that you get the help you need and that you are okay. Um, also too, it's, tends to be run in family genetic. And that's something that we couldn't even trace back on my husband's side because they don't even talk about it or they don't go to the doctor for it. So how can we make sure that we are saying that, you know, it, it's if it's in the family line, that's basically what I'm asking. Um, basically, I think that just speaking up, speaking up and, and making, uh, asking the right questions. Uh, I think that, that that's the only way we can find out. Now you are a life mindset coach. So tell me about how you help people navigate the bipolar disorder. The first thing I do is have them accept, you know, their disorder. And I think that that's number one, you know, I've had people call me, uh, for their family members and a lot of them, call me and they tell me, you know what, I have a family member and they have not accepted that they have bipolar disorder, but I can't help them because one, a lot of people, a lot of these people are over the age of, uh, they're adults. So in this, uh, in this country here in the U.S., basically we can't, uh, unless they're a harm to other people or a harm to themselves, we can't commit them to, uh, to, a uh, um, to any psychiatry treatment or any uh, counselor because they can't, you know, they're not, they're not basically, um, they're not in danger or they're not, but then they do need help. So that's another thing I think we have to kind of discuss here, you know, that how much help do they need to be in or how much uh, in distress do they need to be in to actually get help? Wow. Um, so take us through a client coming to you that say, you say you help them navigate the bipolar disorder as well. I mean, if that's a client that comes with bipolar, how do you navigate it with them? Usually, um, I've had people come to me and it's mostly I get usually other people, uh, other family members reaching out uh, for them. But when I, I do also get people want willing to actually uh, come for themselves. But um, what I do is I actually, isn't uh, my process is very individualized because I do one-on-one -on -one sessions. Uh, so I kind of work with them uh, through uh, coaching. So 
what I do is I have a 12-step program and we work on confidence building and embracing it at uh, learning how to advocate for yourself and other uh, as well as other things but it's very individualized so because like I said you know not everyone is the same mm -hmm. so yeah because not every bipolar disorder have the same type of symptoms for example uh, mine I have schiz uh, schizoaffective so I get psychosis uh -oh. and yeah so that's everybody has everybody's different so how do you deal with it with having small children obviously medicine you said Mm -hmm. But are times when you feel like you're about ready to go into one of those stages, how do you do it? What do you, how I mean, do you make sure your kids so productive? I honestly, every day is a challenge. I can't say, you know, because there is no cure, but mm -hmm. medication does help. I see regularly, I see a therapist. I go to group therapy as well, virtually now because, you know, uh, the COVID. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I think that every day is learning process, uh, a learning uh, experience, and I have support from my family, friends, and at the same time, I think that I I use my own methods. Um, for example, I take time for myself. You know, I think that's very important. Being a mom in general, you know, um, mm -hmm. giving back to yourself is very important anytime. Um, but yeah. So, um, what are the ages of your kids? Are you scared that they're going to have it? Or are you feel like you're better prepared if they do have it because you dealing with it yourself? Um, I have an eight year old and a two year old. And, um, honestly I am, I was scared at first, uh, because I feared if, if it happened, if they had it. And at this point I'm like, you know what, if it happens, it happens. And you know, it's not all bad. I think because there is a, the bright side to it you know a lot of people with bipolar disorder have they're more uh, they're creative they're more intuitive you know they have uh, they're more they're they're more um, they're in tune with their feelings so mm -hmm. um, one of the things that my daughter had when she was younger was ADHD do you think that's part of the maybe could have been part of her bipolar earlier or do you not even as it has there been studies there's been studies, but um, I can't really correlate that, so I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so let's talk about how you decided to become a certified mindset expert. Let's talk about that because obviously sure. that's pretty awesome. Sure. Um, honestly, I, I remember days when I just wanted to help people and I was too sick to do it. And I remember um, being in moments where I was psychotic just trying to reach out to these people like Demi Lovato and mm -hmm. and other big people out there with this disorder and I just didn't know how to do it I didn't know how to because you know I was like I was in, in these I was sick obviously but I just didn't know how to do any of it and um, eventually I actually started writing I, I began a blog and the purpose of my blog was to help out other people uh, share their struggles and and to come together, and it, it came out of I guess my uh, an idea of struggle, you know. And eventually, it grew. Um, I I stopped doing it for a while, but I didn't really give it up. Um, eventually, uh, I ended up deciding, you know what, I have to do this because it's my passion. I love doing it, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna get certified. And continue with my dream and 
I then uh, I met a publicist who helped me uh, get on WebMD, on Good Housekeeping magazine, and you know what? It seemed a lot closer the dream. So now I'm actually not only certified, but at the same time I'm actually uh, helping other people. So yeah, it's it's all possible. I love how you're taking something that could have been very detrimental and very demeaning and very like life change. Well, it was life changing, but you took it in a positive direction instead of taking it into the negative direction. How did you focus on that? Cause like you said, when you were 16, you were not focused. How did you make that turn, make that switch? I think the turning point for me was living in New Jersey. You know, I lived in New Jersey and I was, in a down in a very low point I was uh, in a health crisis I just got I had just got you know I was in a, the hospital for about a month I had lost my job due to the health crisis um, I had just gotten married my dad had just passed away and I was living with my mom um, you know just newlywed and and with my son and I was just like you know what this is not the life I want and I think that was a turning point for me. I was just, just like, you know what? I have to do something about it or either do something about it or stay here. And I think that that was the changing point for me. And when I decided to do something about it, it just turned around, you know? So at that point, you said you decided to do something about it. Did any, do you have ever had any thoughts of suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideologies or anything like that that went along with the bipolar? I did. Usually uh, those happened when I was younger. Um, as I got older, uh, they kind of dissipated a little bit. But um, eventually, like when at that point, that point in my life, yeah, I was uh, depressed. Um, but I guess like after thinking about my my life and everything and everything that I was going through, I decided, you know what, I, my husband was telling me, let's move to Tennessee. And I saw a different future, you know, and I ended up moving here and you know what, it was the best decision I've ever made. So. So what makes you an advocate for people now, um, for the bipolar? What made you decide to, I know you already said a little bit about you wanted to help people, but what made you decide to finally come out and like, and my mental health panel, one of the therapists on there said that in the South, we don't we don't have our crazy. We just bring them out in the front porch and we talk about it. You know what I'm saying? But up north, they don't talk about it. Different places in the United States, you don't talk about certain things. So what made you decide, okay, I'm going to be vocal about this. I'm going to start telling people so I can help other people. No, I, because I was tired of just hiding in a corner, you know, and telling and, and pretty much just people pointing a finger and telling me that you can't. And, you know, I wanted to show people that, you know what, even with bipolar disorder, even with a mental health diagnosis, you can do anything you're, you set your mind to. So. So why do you think there's a change now in the country that people are talking more, are talking and insisting in, in focusing on mental health than ever before? Honestly, I think because with with everything changing with the coronavirus situation, um, being that with with uh, the whole um, being in in the in the house uh, in the what is this called the sorry it's on the tip of my mind uh, in the quarantine in the quarantine, I think that 
being home so much being not being able to go outside it's it's hard for us because if we were stressed out before it's it's causing a higher stress level um what would you say to someone who just is recently diagnosed with bipolar what would you tell them honestly if this is what all people say uh it's gonna be okay but honestly you can make it okay like yeah, you yeah it's, it's, it's not that it's going to be okay, but you have the choice to make it okay. And that's basically having to go with the mindset, correct? Mm-hmm. You can choose to let it define you or you can define what it is for you. Exactly. So what are some of the steps that you use to make it to define how you wanted to handle your illness as, as opposed to how your doctors wanted to handle it? Honestly, I just start, you know, I think that there's a thing out there that a lot of people say that I'm never going to be ready. I'm never going to be pretty enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be, you know what? And there's never going to be a good enough out there. And there's what I always say is it's just starting, you know, it's just a matter of actually just going out there and putting your foot in the door and, and, and starting and doing something about it. You know, because a year ago, two years ago, I didn't know enough uh, as much as I know now. And it, it just took me, uh, it just took me starting and doing what I, uh, I'm doing now. And, and, you know, now I know enough. I know more. But um, there's a saying, a quote. Let, let me see if I get it right. Hold on. <laughs> um, uh, if you start three months from now, today, I'm sorry, if you start today, three months from now, You'll know, you'll do more now. Think if you if you start uh, if you don't start three. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Let me, think if you if you don't if you start today if you don't start today three months from now if you do, if you don't do nothing. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. so, do you kind of get the idea? Yeah. If you, yeah. So, like three months from now, if you haven't started, you're you're still going to be the same place. But at least three months, you could be two or three steps ahead. Exactly. Instead of two or three steps are in the same place or behind everybody yeah. else. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage your mental health? Honestly, I think it's a lot of, one, it's a lot of meditation, one. I uh, I go and in the mornings I try, I only have chances in the morning because again, I am a mom of two kids and mm -hmm. it's a lot of time management too. Um, I try to go in for a walk in the morning because that's my me time. Um, I give a lot of, to myself because I recognize that all I do and I, I say, you know what, I need to give myself some me time for my sanity. Um, as well as giving time for my kids, giving time for my husband and it's a balance. Um, because there, like I, there's another thing that I, I believe in and it's, it's not all you do, it's if you do enough. So how do you, I know one of the biggest things that my daughter struggles with is change. How do you go and accept change or master when things are changed up and things aren't the routine? Because I know routine is very important. Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, I think change in life is it's, it's inevitable. And it's, it's hard sometimes for people to just, you know, change everything and, and, and go about change. But honestly, for me, I think the way I master change is just 
it, uh, there's a, uh, one, I think that it's just about just the mindset. You know, I think that, for example, like, um, if, if you tell yourself, like, I'll, I'll say a little, uh, something I don't like, I don't like doing dishes. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I tell myself, you know what, I'm going to do these dishes and I'm going to do this late. Uh, I'm going to get to eat ice cream later. You know what? If I see it in that way, then I'll do it quicker. Mm. Now, if you, for example, you tell yourself, I am tired and I don't want to do these dishes. And you know what? It takes you longer and you then tend to procrastinate it. So it's a way, it's just kind of how you see things. It's the perspective and how you see things and, and kind of in a way tricking your brain. So it's like whether you see the glass half full or half empty. Yeah. Kind of. It's That's one, one thing that I can tell you about change, I guess. So where do you find your inner peace when you're in the middle of a uh, episode? Honestly, in my house, you know, I think that finding your peace should be, uh, for me, it's my home, my family, uh, for other people it could be something else. But I think that where you're happy and you're, uh, you, you know, and I think that what you're grateful for should be your peace. And so, you uh, continue. No, go ahead. Sorry. So should they, people that struggle with disorders, should they find some set place that they can kind of center themselves to kind of step away from everything that's going on if they see they're about to spiral to just to calm mm -hmm. or if they don't have a set place physically i think something that they like to do as well is something uh that you can also go, you know a lot of people like to draw a lot of people like to read and escape mm -hmm. you know but positive things like that not alcohol drugs or anything like that um, not necessarily. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people, they think that they get a uh, diagnosis of mental illness. They're already lost the rest of their lives. So they might as well just spiral down even more. Yeah. But if you think about it, those things are, uh, temporary mm -hmm. where if you do things that are productive, for example, if you read a book, then you learn something mm -hmm. and you get something out of it. That is so true. Now, would you say that people with bipolar disorder are more detail oriented? Some people are, yeah. Because I, my daughter is an interior architect major and she does a lot of drawings and she can spot, like if somebody's been photoshopped in a picture, she can spot it right away. Mm -hmm. Even if it's the best photoshop that the naked eye can't see, but mm -hmm. she can see. So do you think that's part of her disorder or do you think that's part of her makeup period? Honestly, it could be both. It could be personality. It could be bipolar disorder because I actually did interior design at one point. So I, I can, yeah, I, it could be her personality, but it, it depends, you know? So what would you tell um, parents of children that are being diagnosed with bipolar disorder for the first time? Because honestly, as, as a parent, I didn't know how to navigate. I knew she needed help. I was there for her. I listened to her. I have like one of my very good friends is a, a licensed therapist and I chat with her a lot just to ask her, Hey, what's your opinion? But what should parents do if they don't have that type of 
honestly, I think just love them, love them, take care of them, be patient, encourage them, and just uh, give them all the tools that they need to flourish. Is there something that you wish you had done differently once you were diagnosed? Honestly, no, because if I would have done anything differently, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I am grateful for everything I've done. Um, I do have regrets, um, but honestly, I am I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for for the paths that they have gone on, and I'm you know I'm I'm thankful. I'm grateful for everything. So. Now you you talked about your children. Do they know? I know you said they were two and eight, but do they know that about the bipolar, or have you even had that conversation with them yet? They do, and I actually had a situation actually happen. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I went to the hospital, and I actually uh, took my son with me, and my husband wasn't with me, so I went just us two. And my son actually was taken into custody because they know they noticed I wasn't. Uh, you know, mentally okay. Mm -hmm. So they actually took my son into uh, protective custody uh, mm -hmm. for two days. And obviously, when my my husband found out, they actually uh, he actually fought for my son's rights, and everything was okay. But it was something very traumatic for him. So mm -hmm. it was something that I think, uh, honestly, I think it was something that I felt really guilty for because I felt like I was choosing one child over the other, but. When everything, I went to court and everything, um, the judge told me, she was like, you know what, you did the best thing you could have done because you did not leave your son at home by himself. Mm -hmm. You were not feeling okay. And you went to the hospital to get help. And even though, you know, he was taken into uh, where to, to custody or whatever, um, he was taken care of, which of course I was going through, you know, a terrible time he was going through a terrible time but i did the best thing i could at that time and i think that a lot of parents go through that because of certain situations of mental health and 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 certain issues but yeah like they're aware of my my uh diagnosis and um so yeah so at the hospital did they treat you with respect when all this was happening or did they yeah. treat you okay because, you know, um, being, I hate to say this, but some of the cultural bias and stereotypes in the United States, they're more likely to um, go against someone who's of a different color than they are. So I was just wondering how they treated you as far as because you're Latina and how far they treated you with respect. Because I know if some other people had gone in, maybe it might have been the way you handled the situation as well. Mm -hmm. that's it I think I was I was I I mean considering the situation I believe I was really calm um, because I, they explained to me the whole process and they told me he was only gonna be there for two days and exactly they they, uh, they you know I I, I was very um, uh, I, I, I I was um, I, I did everything they told me and it only was he was only in custody for two days so yeah, I was. Um, it was. It was fine because I was respectful of, of them. They were respectful of me. So, but yeah. Did you have mom guilt after that though? It's like how? Yeah. 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 How did you navigate that? Um, it took me a while. It took me a while to let go of it. I actually talked a lot of uh, with my therapist about it, but 
because it felt like I was choosing one child over the other because at the time I was pregnant, you know, and I had to forgive myself. So until I did that, um, it took me a while. Yeah. And how is your son now? I mean, you said it's happened when you were pregnant, your daughter's too. So that's what he was six. Does he really understand what was going on or he just thought, okay, mom, they're taking me away from mommy. Well, before it happened, I actually had a chance to explain to him what was going on. And he was a little bit scared, obviously, but I made sure to kind of let him know. And eventually I, when I got out of the hospital, I saw him and, and everything was fine, but he was, he still has a little bit of issues from it, but I, I'm, I'm working on that with him. I guess there may be a lot of separation anxiety with him. You know, if you're out of sight, not sure where you're where you're at. Correct? Um, not right now because he's older. He's now because he's eight. Now he understands. He knows. Okay, I'm going to the supermarket, or I'm here. I'm going. You're going to be in the babysitter's house. So he understands now. So how do you, as a parent that has bipolar, how do you navigate it, explaining it to your kids? if someone's just recently diagnosed? Um, I think that being honest, you know, being honest and trying to not complicate things for them, depending obviously on their age level, you know, on how old they are. Um, it's, it's, but just try to be as simple as possible. Because I know the very beginning you said that it was a chemical imbalance in your brain. How do you take that and say it's a chemical imbalance for them to understand that it's maybe not something they did or something that you know mommy mommy's okay it's just something that her body doesn't work right is that basically what you're saying to them i mean a way to do that i think would be um there's uh there's a uh, chemical or there's a a juice or something that mo uh, mommy's brain is missing mm. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing, I already asked you one thing, people, you said it to be okay, but what are some other tips that you can give people that are kind of navigating this bipolar disorder? I think that one of them is trust your doctor. You know, I think that sometimes when, if you're having suicidal thoughts, please go to the hospital or to the, uh, or, you know, there's, there's an uh, alliance also. Um, and if you are just talk to someone about it obviously you know reach out for help um also trust your psych uh, psychiatrist for your uh, medication um sometimes when you go on medication at the beginning they might might obviously not work at first mm -hmm. but tell your doctor every symptom you're having every uh, side effect you're having it is important to tell your doctor and tell them um okay this is not working um this is not uh whatever it is, if you're sleeping too much, if you're gaining weight, if you're losing weight or whatever it is, uh, let them know because it's just, those things are very, very important. Um, another thing too is uh, your counselor. If your counselor, if what, for whatever reason, if they, you don't have a good connection with them, it's also very important because, you know, this is the person you're supposed to share your, your stuff with so that you can get help. So you're supposed to feel, feel comfortable sharing your, your, your personal stuff with. So that's another thing. 
do you suggest keeping a log of like when you take the medication how the side effects how you feel so that way you don't forget when you go to the doctor yes that would yeah of course yes and probably journaling probably helps a lot of people as well am i correct i journal yes i have as you can see a whole bunch of journals here <laughs> um yeah i have uh for example uh my therapist actually told me about a uh like a tracking journal where you can do uh like a ha for habits for example if you're trying to uh sleep more if you're trying to work out more or whatever you can do a habit journal and uh the way that works out is you just write like uh monday to friday or whatever and then you do thoughts uh uh, on each time or day or whatever you're doing it and then you track on how much how many days or times that you're you're actually accomplishing it so and then you can see at the end of the week how many times you've actually done it but that's a good yeah journaling about uh, your feelings and your mood level and all that stuff actually very it's very helpful how important is getting the proper nutrition during um, when you're diagnosed or making sure that you eat properly and get enough sleep Honestly, nutrition in general, uh, it's, it's very important. You know, getting your three meals a day, uh, snacks in between, is, it's very, very important. And sleep, I, it's, sleep is very vital because our brain needs sleep. When we don't, we don't get the enough sleep, that's when we go into uh, manic episodes. That's when our, our brain goes pretty much haywire and we go into, uh, you know, frantic mode. So yeah, sleep. So talk about manic episodes. What do they look like? I know for everybody it's different, but just in general. Well, there's two different types. There's hypomania, which they're a little bit less severe. And there is the uh, extreme, like the, the more uh, the mania. Uh, and those are pretty much uh, overspending, uh, not sleeping and having uh, en like endless amount of energy. Um, and they're very destructive. They can be, um, I mean, at one point I was manic and I was actually telling my, my ex-boyfriend, I was just like, um, can we go jump off a building and don't, you know, I don't do, don't do that. But it was things like that, you know, that's very, very reckless striving and, and doing things like that. And yeah, it can get to that point. So it's very dangerous. Wow. And you probably thought, let's go jump off the building nothing's going to happen to me i'm just like you're super yeah. yeah yeah and yeah it's it's it gets because you you're you have this grandiosity and you think that you're invincible um you also can get um where you have these uh if you do get like for example i get psychosis with it um so you hear you can hear things and see things that are not really there so mix that with the mania and it's it's just pretty much think uh, you know like you're in Narnia or something you know you're like in different worlds so it's 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 wow it's it's different well now now that you're mentioning that my daughter actually told us when we were young when she was younger um, that she could see angels when we go to when we would go to church and in Hispanic culture that's like oh that's okay you know that's you mm -hmm. see angels that's great you see auras that's great you know because it's all about um, the spiritual and the Hispanic culture. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was the beginning and we just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people do get uh, visions or things like that with the psychosis and they're related a lot to uh, things from from God. They're uh, with the 
related with things with church and God and, and, and like they think that they're like uh, uh, being sent from heaven or God or, or things like that. Like they're getting signs. But a lot of people do get things like that too. So yeah, those are things to watch out for as well. Yeah, um, I'm wondering also too, I know this is getting into like woohoo stuff, but does that spirits kind of attach themselves to people that don't have the, I don't want to say don't have the right makeup because that's the wrong word, but but have that chemical imbalance that they are able to slip in through? I know it's getting woo-woo and kind of, that's the, that's the culture. That's the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I actually, I my pastor, for example, he'd say, you know, in his religion, he would say, you know what? You're just demonized. You know, that's just demons going that and, and that you have attached. And, and and everybody has these different biases, you know, and, and and he would tell me, he would advise me, you know what, just go off your medication. But obviously I know if I go off my medication, I'm going to be in a hospital, you know, uh, inpatient. So uh, it's like a lot. Um, and, and if you go to my um, good house, the, the good housekeeping article that I'm in, you would, uh, there's a, that's one of the things that I say, you know, a lot of people just will tell you in the Hispanic culture, just pray and pray and mm-hmm. it'll, you know, it'll go away. And it's not like that, you know, and, and, you know, I am, I am Catholic and I believe in God, but at the same time, what, if you have diabetes, if you have um, a heart problem and you just pray it away, it's not going to go away. Yeah, that is so true. And that's one of the things that we were talking about in the mental health thing was the cultural biases because my husband was like, like my girls would cry and they're like, don't cry. Crying's not going to fix anything. Not realizing it's just a way of them to get their emotions out. Mm-hmm. So, I, so do you think with the Hispanic community, they're not as in touch with their feelings or? It could be my husband's like that my husband's very not in touch with his feelings so yeah it, it, it could be yeah it could be just the mexico thing oh, yeah, <laughs> or, it could, a- or it could be male female thing too as well that too mm-hmm. now can you imagine okay you're a teenager you're 16 you've just been diagnosed you've got puberty and everything going on with that how do the hormones go along with that well honestly it was just, it was all over the place, you know? I was, at that time I was in high school, so I was sleeping mostly through high school because the medications were, they were strong. Um, and at that point I was, I ended up dropping out of high school because uh, uh, I think it was sophomore year, they told me I had, no, junior year, they told me I had to do two more years of high school. And I was just like, you know, I'm almost graduating. So I dropped out and I got my GD. 10 days before my actual high school graduation. So I took it up and passed it my first time. Um, so after that, I was just like, what am I gonna do with my life, you know? And then I thankfully had my son soon after. And I think he kind of, he gave me the the, the mindset that I needed, I think at that point, because I, I think that I, like I thank God that I had him because honestly, um, if I didn't, I think I would not be here today. You know, I would probably be down spiraling. So that's kind of like an anchor for you. You had your son, someone that you had to be responsible for, to take care of, 
to feed, to be there for them. And that's kind of like, okay, I need to switch gears or flip the switch a little bit and start focusing on what I can do for my mental health to help my son as well. Yes. Yes. And I think that a lot of people don't have an anchor like that, you know, and I feel like that's why a lot of people go down that spiral path. And until they find themselves in, 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 in the pit, in the pit bottom, they don't, See that you know what I have to do something about it or until they get an anchor like we say you know they don't see you know what I have to do something about it but you know that's why a lot of people like me and therapists and psychiatrists are out there to actually you know get people out of those situations or before they get into those situations to help them and guide them so what can I don't want to use regular people that aren't dealing with this disorder, how can they help people who are dealing with this this disorder as far as making people aware that it's not something to be shameful about? Something that, you know, it's, it, yeah, it may be a, a mental diagnosis, but it's nothing that's gonna stop you from functioning like everybody else in society. How can we do that? I think just normalizing it, normalizing it and talking, speaking up about it more and making it, uh, something so normal that you know what there's many there's a lot of people out there that go misdiagnosed that go undiagnosed because they're just scared they're just scared of what is everyone gonna think so I think just normalizing it yeah a lot of people are scared everybody's so scared in society even at 50 some years old I'm scared that what are people gonna think about me and finally when I turned 50 I was like you know what screw that i'm gonna live my life and i'm just gonna and i've learned to do things and tell people later you know and one thing i always say is you know what at this point uh in life you know what only it's your life you will have to pay the consequences for it and no one else does so you know what just live out your life and don't don't um don't let anyone you know tell you what to do in that aspect you know what just live out your life for you so and you can basically have any career you want to correct yes I mean definitely you can be whoever whatever you want to be in life and it doesn't have to define who you are now what about the military does military take people that have the bipolar disorder uh, honestly I'm not sure but uh, a lot of people in the military, I know they have like PTSD or things like that, you know, from being in the in the military. So I think that, I believe they should, you know, I I don't think that that, that should be a, a no go. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Is there any last tips that you want to give people that are dealing with bipolar? Honestly, I think that just be you, love yourself for who you are, and embrace embrace yourself. And can you tell people where to find you at? Okay, bluegrazelifestyle.com. That's blue like the color, G-R-E-I-S, lifestyle.com. And on social media, do you have any social media? Yes, it's Clisper, C-L-I-S-V-E-R. All right, I want to thank you so much for joining, this, joining me and having this conversation. And I've learned a lot just listening to you of ways that I can support my daughter. And I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. We will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye, right, guys. Bye.
Y'all, I am so glad I had Cleus Fur on the show because that was an amazing episode. And I learned a lot as a mom. I learned how to react and not to react to some of the things that happens in my daughter's life. It's been pretty rough. So I feel like not only did I give voice to those that are suffering from this disorder to know that, hey, it's normal. It's, it, it's, it's a new normal. Mental illness should be something that we should talk about. It's not something that we hush, 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 put in the closet. We shouldn't whisper when say somebody, somebody has a mental illness. We should learn more about it. We should educate ourselves so that we know we're not um, being prejudiced against them. Because folks, there are so many different ways we can be prejudiced against a person besides their race or what they believe, but also by things they can't control. You can't control what color your skin is. You can't control what country you're born of. You can't control your gender. You can't control who you love. There's so many different things that you can't control, but what you can control is what you put in your mind, what learning how to educate yourself if things happen learn how mental illness isn't a death sentence that yeah you may have to rethink some of the ways that you approach situations but still it's not a death sentence and i really 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 love the fact that cleasfer has made her her life's work to become a life coach for those that have this this disorder that's a way of giving back i absolutely love this so i really hope you learned a lot from this chat i know as a mom i did I encourage you, if you know someone who has a bipolar disorder or you are even concerned about having it yourself, please listen to this podcast. I mean, it was, it was an amazing episode. And speaking of podcasts, remember I have turned these podcasts first to show up on Facebook and then they're on YouTube. They're on Facebook and YouTube simultaneously because I feel like it's reaching different audiences. And then I, a couple weeks later, they show up as a podcast. Um, I really would love for you to subscribe and to leave a review because honestly, folks, that's what gets these amazing, this amazing content out there is by subscribing and leaving a review. And most of all, I want you to remember, keep chatting.